Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is up, Wizards fans? This is your host, Matt Moderno. Talk a little bit more about the preseason here today, but specifically what to do with the last couple roster spots. I I think the premise for part of today's podcast, at least, is just this notion of Quentin Jackson. Maybe he should have been the 10th pick instead of Johnny Davis. Like I've seen that tweeted out a couple of times. I want to just caution us to pump the brakes just a little bit. I know he looked really good in those eight minutes uh, that he played against Charlotte the other night, but there's a reason this guy went undrafted. And so I've got Bryce Hendricks of the Upside Springs podcast on here today. Bryce gets more into the sort of prospects, you know, 60 through 150 than anybody I know. So I think he's well suited to tell us a little bit more about Jackson, what his college career was actually like, why he was valued, where he was valued as a prospect, and just kind of help us really maybe level set on where he should actually be kind of considered in in this wizard's long-term future in their stable of prospects. And then we'll talk about just kind of rounding out what to do with those last couple two-way spots. But first, just a word from our sponsor, BetOnline. Football is back, and BetOnline remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. And as your continued source for all sports wagering info, BetOnline features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events like MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to betonline.ag today to join and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure to use our promo code BELIEF, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. BetOnline, where the game starts. Cool. All right, with that, let's get to my combo with Bryce. I'm pleased to be joined by Bryce Hendricks of the Upside Swings podcast. Bryce, you're probably the most common repeat guest on the show at this point because I love talking draft stuff. And today we're going to talk filling out the roster and two-way contracts and, and all this stuff. So thanks for coming on. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm honored. Uh, Matt hit me up about 15 minutes ago and was like, hey, do you want to do a pod? And I was like, absolutely. Uh, no hesitation. So very happy to be on. And we're talking about my favorite thing, very fringe NBA players who will likely not factor into a rotation anytime soon, but might might make a roster. And that's what it's all about. So I probably open with this every time, but you know, these guys like 75 through 200 in, in draft prospect range better than anybody that I know. And it's guys like I, I've never even heard of a lot of the time. Obviously I'd seen Jackson, but I'll be quite honest, like before Texas A&M's kind of like NIT run, I don't think I had watched much of him at all. And he probably wouldn't have been on my radar at all, but he, he did look pretty good down the stretch for them, I think. Yeah, uh, well, he absolutely killed my team. So uh, I, I I remember I had I had had Jackson sort of on my radar because um, I do stats dives throughout the year, and something that always pops up is if you're six five and you have over a certain amount of dunks, mm-hmm. you show up on all my thresholds. And Jackson was six five, and he had definitely a certain <laughs> amount of dunks. So um, he he was someone who was on my radar, but I really dove into him before that WSU Texas A and M game in uh the nit semifinals and i was like oh yeah okay he's gonna kill us excellent college player type of guy who i think would have popped more maybe in a different like like if he would have been at houston right like he's probably a uh you know a draft pick like mm-hmm. you know where that is it's questionable but uh, i like what texas a did last year they were a fun team uh, super athletic. You know, Henry Coleman was a transfer from Duke who played on that team last year who might factor into the draft this year and just kind of a fun defense. Like he really got to just run around and do a ton of stuff. So I think he was someone who was on my radar, but I'm not going to sit here and, 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 and tell all your Wizards fans that I was like, 
super high on him that I thought he was this this underrated gem. More just that I I knew of him and I thought if he clicks in the right spot, he's definitely at least a two way guy because six five athletic threshold does some interesting things. That's kind of enough for me to to notice you and think you're at least worth uh, being a camp body. Because I am a Debbie Downer in all things Wizards basketball, I'm just trying to get our fan base to like collectively calm down just like a little bit. And I'm exactly where you're at. Like I actually really like what I've seen. I think this is a guy that should definitely be in strong consideration for a two-way. I would honestly probably like just give him one of the two outright at this point and call it a day. But there's been like a whole lot of like his eight minutes were amazing. We should have taken him in the lottery and Davis is the bum who should have gone undrafted. And I think we do this kind of thing every year where it just, there's one or two guys that pop and everybody collectively loses their shit for a while. So I'm hoping or we can just kind of like rebaseline things for him. And you mentioned the dunks. So wizards hosted an open practice Tuesday night and Jackson threw down some like insane dunks to the point where I said to one of my buddies, like, um, yeah, this is the most athletic guy on the team. Now, like literally four seconds later, Gafford threw down like a windmill from like five feet away, you know, five feet from outside the paint. And you're like, all right, well, he's got competition, but, but Jackson has looked freakishly athletic when you weigh 42 pounds, you should probably be able to to jump just like a little bit, but I guess what kind of player is he like, what role do you see him filling for an NBA team? Cause I think the other thing seeing him in practice from a couple rows up last night is he's kind of small. Like I think six, five might actually be like generous and the 42 pounds was a joke, but 142 honestly might not be like, he's, he's the skinniest guy on the team by a big margin. Yeah. And I think, you know, that role question is part of why he went undrafted. Mm-hmm. Um, he is like you mentioned undersized. I would, I would agree. You know, he's probably six, four. He's listed at 175. No chance. Yeah, yeah, that might be pushing it. Um, and then you know, you expect off ball wing to be, you know, you, you have to meet certain thresholds of things. The, the jumper's always kind of been a swing skill for him. Um, when he was at Central Florida CC uh for his first two years of college, it looked pretty good. He was hitting it efficiently. He's always been an all right free throw shooter, but uh in his three years at Texas AM, all of this is on pretty solid volume. He went 24% from three. 41% from three, 34% from three. Um, when you're varying to that degree, it's just hard to buy. Like, I, yeah. I don't know exactly what the tinkering was. It doesn't look particularly smooth. It's kind of, uh, I don't want to say hitchy, but it just like, it doesn't look like he's super comfortable taking it unless it's off the dribble. Um, he, he's very hesitant shooter despite taking three a game in college. So, trying to find out what that role is exactly was sort of a tough thing for him. Um, what really popped is the athleticism and, and he played a lot with the ball uh, at Texas a They just ran Texas a just played pretty fast. They like mm-hmm. to get up the floor. They like to create turnovers. Um, and he could really do that. He could run the offense in transition, took five, three to, uh, free throws a game last year, which is really, really impressive. But like you said, like what that role is, is it's hard. It's because he's not a good enough passer to be like a point guard. Yeah. He's not, um, I'm sure you didn't even think of a comp, but there's in the past, there's like athletic backup point guards who are, who are plus size to, even if they're not the greatest passers, like because they can get paint touches, they can play point guard because uh, that's just sort of what they do. He's almost like a lesser version of the Thompson twins. Um, he's not quite that. He's not that level of passer. The handle's not that tight. He's kind of more just like an off-ball slasher and cutter, uh, and that has its value. But where that is, I mean, he, like, like how valuable is a shorter Maurice Harkless? You know, like it's it's tough. It's tough to really say. I liked Mo Harkless when he was good, um, but it, you know, and it's also. Uh, I think a big thing a lot of people are going to overlook when talking about Quentin Jackson is that he's already twenty-four, uh, and that's just. I mean, that's the age of a lot of guys who are in their fifth or sixth season, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so for him to have been that old and, and um, you know, and, and I'm not always the type who's like age is necessarily writing you off, but it does limit where he can maybe develop going forward. Yeah, I think those are a lot of great points there. Maybe let's just start with the jumper here for a second. So in this practice the other night, I was sitting like directly in one corner and he was shooting right in front of me. And all I thought sitting from behind him was like, I didn't watch a ton of his college games, but this already looks considerably more smooth. 
So I like it was just a more fluid shot. There's still kind of like a weird release point, but it it seemed to be more like all one motion. And uh, he made like a high percentage of just like open jumpers, which contrasted next to Denny Avdia in the same practice who went like one of 27 from wide open threes. It was nice to see like Jackson make the vast majority. And the handle looked pretty good so far in limited reps. I think maybe he can get away with not the tightest handle because he does have a pretty quick first step. So he's, he's just getting by guys, but I guess, can he defend it all would be the first thing I would want to know. Cause if like, let's say the shooting is real and he can score enough, like can, can he use that athleticism to be a pesky defender? And maybe that's the role for him is like the 10th man. I think the defense is what I liked the most about his game. So he had a 3.9% steal rate and a 2.5% block rate during his uh, super senior year mm-hmm. at Texas A&M. And his play in the passing lanes is just really fun to watch. He's not like an over gambler because he's so bursty that he doesn't have to like jump way out of position to get to a ball. If he thinks he can get to it, he can just wait until it's about there and then explode and, and be uh beat the uh, offensive player to the ball. So that stuff looked really good. He got a ton of transition runouts. Um, His on-ball defense is really hampered by just how skinny he is. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, even like at Texas A&M, which, you know, it's college comp, so it's not always you're playing against the best players, but like he couldn't guard wings really. Uh, There was quite a few times where even like against WSU, like TJ Bomba could kind of get into him and push him or push him around a little bit. And Bomba's a big guy, but he's also only like six, three. So that's, there's definitely some worries there, but uh, I think he could probably guard some smaller point guards um, though. Even then, like uh, I do worry, you know, guarding like a Howell Neto, he'd probably be fine. But if he was guarding, like um, I'm trying to think of like a, like a stronger backup point guard um, that I'm blanking right now, but even like a, like a, like an above average, like size wise backup point guard, I think he might struggle with just because he can get pushed out of the way. And when, when you're getting pushed around like that, it's just hard. So, so as a havoc reeking defender, I think he could be really good. Do the wizards want to do that? I don't know. Cause Christoph Porzingis as your, as your five or your four, maybe like, like that's not necessarily a scheme, like a, like a talent pool conducive to just wreaking a ton of havoc, but uh, I, I think he's someone who you can employ, deploy in interesting ways defensively, but I don't think he's like a bulletproof good at everything defender. Is there a path to him being like Gary Payton the second, like kind of that more point of attack athletic defender who uses his tools and length and stuff? Or is that like way, way, way too best case scenario? I feel like that's like, like Gary Payton the second is like a, top five percentile vertical athlete like like Quentin Jackson is an awesome vertical athlete but I mean Gary Payton is 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 six two and can basically operate in the dunker spot he he isn't quite so uh like just quick with two feet either it's like he's more uh, of a one foot leaper he can't get up off two of course but he likes to get a run up and explode that way I don't think he's just like super quick off the ground and then defensively I just, again, like Gary Payton's really strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think that allows him to get over screens really well. Like I think Gary Payton's best trait is it's not even that like he's like a great isolation defender. It's that he's really good at just getting through screens. Uh, and I don't see Quentin Jackson being able to do that. I think he's going to die on a lot of screens. I'm, I think like a better defensive comparison would be like Matisse Thibel, but obviously probably not to that level. But mm-hmm. in terms of like Matisse Thibel is not a particularly great on-ball defender. He gets some blocked out, like he blocks some jump shots that, and that looks really cool, but he's really easy to kind of uh, get shifted one way and, and stuff like that. But if you just let him play the nail, he's going to get a ton of steals. He's going to operate as the low man. Like he's really good at that stuff. I can see Quentin Jackson doing that at, at, at like his peak. When we had... Jordan Goodwin on the last time we talked to him about wanting to like take on the role of being this team's like Jose Alvarado because every team wants a Jose Alvarado now and being somebody to come in, use his athleticism to pick up 94 feet and just kind of be like a pest. I I don't know if like Jackson can do something like that, but I'm just struggling to figure out like how they could employ him in a way that that best utilizes his skill set he's gonna have to shoot at a high level he's gonna have to bulk up longer term and then you mentioned the age he's you know 25 years old that's or 24 years old like that that's you know that's um 
that's you know a significant age for for a prospect at this point. And there's been a lot of like already. Let's compare him to Johnny Davis. Well, Davis is four years younger. I, I think what's you know the likelihood that Davis, with four years of additional development in the NBA, doesn't look better in his age 24 season than Jackson does. Like I, I think that's why everybody needs to like just dial this one back just a little bit at least. Yeah, I, I I get where you're coming from, absolutely. And I'm a big Johnny Davis guy. I was very, very high on him. I think like the path towards Quentin Jackson, like you have to be, and, and this is maybe what we'll find out with Wes Unsell Jr. is you have to be a little creative defensively, I think. Like he's not someone who I think is gonna be is gonna work best in like uh just very simple defensive sets. Like to really maximize him, you'd want him to be doing some kind of interesting things. But I think he could, you know, like X outs, uh I think he could be a very good wing defender. I think he could probably even guard some of the pick and roll if you're doing like a hard drop and you just want to force mid-range jumpers. Like let him go over, get on the back of a, you know, like what the what the Nets did under um under Kenny Atkinson, stuff like that. Like I think he could potentially do that stuff, but I don't think he's like, oh, we're gonna put him on, you know, on on really any score and he's gonna give them a particularly rough night. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it, he's not like you said, Gary Payton or um, anyone like that. He's I don't think he's quite to that, but I think he could be a plus on defense and at six four with the athleticism to you know basically be a three in some lineups. Sure. If you can shoot a little bit, I, I think I think there is still a path there. It's not that I want to write everything off with him. It's just I I don't think it's I don't think he's better than Johnny Davis even right now, and um, I think that. Don't don't get too caught up in in eight minutes of preseason work because there are reasons he went undrafted and there's a reason he's sort of a complicated fit with a lot of NBA teams. That's exactly where I'm at and much more eloquently said. So thank you for doing it. I think let's segue that into Davis. So I just finished listening to a Bill Simmons, Ryan Rosillo, Joe House podcast where they just absolutely killed how bad Johnny Davis has looked so far. And I think it's summed up very well exactly where Wizards fans are at with him. Like it, it has not been good. And I don't think the team thinks it's been good. I don't think he would think it's been good. But I also don't know that they're like too concerned yet. And and nor should they be. It, it's really early on. Corey Kispert looked bad at this point last season and we all seem to really like him now. Like this happens every year. I think the expectation here was just that Davis would come in and be this ready-made guy. And, and he's not that like Bryce, you can talk to this better than I can, but like he wasn't on like rate, like draft radars as a freshman. So, you know, he made a huge jump from year one to year two. And I don't think there's any reason to think that he couldn't make a similar jump, you know, in the NBA like that. Yeah. I mean, he was basically like, he was a name I hadn't really heard of even. And, and you know, I, I don't want to brag, but that's kind of saying something, yeah, you, right? You if, go deep. Yeah. If, if I haven't really heard of you, right. uh, it's sort of, like I, 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 you know, I fell out of the loop, but he really blew up. I kind of noticed him in that Houston game. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was the where he first broke onto radar. Just like, oh shit, he's like actually a draft guy. Um, Wisconsin was like a really rough context for him, uh, though it was beneficial in some ways because he was able to be, you know, basically do everything on offense in a lot of ways. But uh, I, for me, the worries with Washington started the second Woj tweeted about it, mm-hmm. uh, and he said, oh they've got their point guard or whatever he said. And it's, I I think the expectations for Johnny Davis in some ways were that he was going to be like this nuclear scorer. And that's not who he is to me. I, I think the best way to describe Johnny Davis is uh, like, he, you know, it's cliche, but he's a dog. Like that's mm-hmm. like what he does. He's um, I, I, even when he had, you know, a 30 usage or whatever, he was still hustling for boards his defense is, I think, his best skill, his most uh, maybe under-discussed. And that stuff isn't always going to show up in your preseason games, right? Like, uh, or summer league. Uh, I think it's something that's going to, he's going to be able to hang his hat on long-term. He's strong. He's he's 6'4", but he, you know, he might as well be 6'6", honestly, with how he plays. Uh, physically, he reminds me a lot of Marcus Smart. He's probably not that level of lateral athlete, but similar to Marcus Smart, he has a pretty good first step. Uh, and that allows him to do a lot defensively. He can guard in the post. I think he's the type of guy who, in a couple years, you're putting him on, like, like you know, kind of what we were talking about with Quentin Jackson, like, it, you know, if everything really worked out. I think Johnny Davis could actually do that, where it's like he's you're putting him on, uh, you know, 
Dame or or even wings, like you're putting him on Jason Tatum. And while Jason Tatum's obviously gonna have some advantages over him, Mike Davis is also yeah, 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 he's gonna get into his get into his handle or whatever. Like I think that's what Davis could do. Um, and then off it's offensively, it's just kind of about finding his role. And that's the hardest thing to do in four preseason games, right? right? Like, like the hardest thing is figuring out exactly what you do. Uh, I think playing next to Bradley Beal will help in some ways, will hurt in others. Uh, I wish this team had some better passing for him. Uh, you know, I'd like to see some stuff with maybe him and Kristaps, but we'll just kind of, well, he's just got to figure it out. And, and there's going to be some growing pains. He's probably not like, an all rookie team guy really. Um, but you know, I think he can probably shoot. Okay. I think he can be an all right, uh, close out attacker, but he's not a point guard, even though I like his passing, he's not a point guard. And if you're asking him to do that, you're asking for trouble. Uh, I think, you know, the best role for him is sort of this off ball scorer who can move the ball, who can make some plays, but you don't want him to be like a primary guy. And then who's just an awesome defender, a hustler culture guy, I think Derek White is like it. I, I'm not one for comparisons, but if Wizards fan wants some comparisons, I think Derek White would be a great one. And some people might hear that and think, "Oh, we drafted Derek White at 10. But I think Derek, Derek White is an important piece of winning mm-hmm. teams. And I think Johnny Davis can be that. So that's what I'm thinking with Johnny Davis. And uh, you know, has it looked like that so far? Maybe not. But Derek White was a 23 year old rookie, and he struggled. I think for his first two years, it took him a little bit to really break out. So. Um, I think kind of give it time with Davis. I think he's really, really good. I think he has not once in his career been put in a position to maximize his skill set. He's always been forced to sacrifice some things in the name of other things. I think I I hope that in time the Wizards could put him in a spot where he is doing what he should be doing on the basketball floor. And it hasn't been that so far. You and I talked about this pre-draft, I think, or maybe post-draft or or one something about Davis at some point, but like. He makes some really good passes, like some special passes occasionally. And he can do it with both hands. And he does like some live dribble passing that's like in- intriguing. But the point guard thing was like, what the shit? Like, where did they where did they pull this from? And even just the way the the general manager of the team and the coach of the team have talked about him sort of don't line up. You, you've had Tommy Shepard come out and say on draft night, like he's a point guard. And Wes Unseld being like, uh, well, he's never played that before, so we'll have to see. And then during the first, uh, first couple of preseason games, they admittedly kind of threw him in the deep end and wanted him to like initiate offense and, and said that they were trying to get him out of his comfort zone. But then in this most recent preseason game against Charlotte, he looked much more comfortable off ball. He made a really good cut. He tried to pick up like, you know, not full court, but like pick up his man, like, th- you know, three quarters court and like make things tougher. And Suddenly it's like, oh, okay, well, maybe this doesn't look so bad. It's not flashy. It's not exciting, but he didn't look like out of place on an NBA court. So I I, I went back and forth with this with somebody's on a group chat about like, maybe don't throw a guy to the deep end before you've seen him in a role where he actually looks comfortable. So I'm glad they're kind of going back to like, all right, he's much more likely to be in an off ball role this year. Like, let's feature that for a while and see what he can do. And and I, I was sort of considerably more encouraged by that in this um, open practice the other night. He was like brutal shooting from the corners. There's a video that um, Chase Hughes of NBC Sports Washington posted where he looked bad shooting from the corner, but top of the key where he had to dribble a little bit and then shoot, he looked much more fluid and comfortable, shot a much higher percentage. So I think they're just going to have to like iron those things out. Can he catch and shoot from the corners and like, how how do they like do that in rhythm for him is, is sort of, I don't know, all still on the table, but it's it's not like unheard of for a rookie to need time to like iron those things out. Yeah, well, and I definitely get Wizards fans having this little bit of um, uh, worry, right? Like, sure. I, I'll be honest, I have not loved this team's process in the past. I thought Rui Hachimura was a pretty rough pick. I thought Denny Avdia was like just a straight up bad pick, in my opinion. I thought... He was really overranked. Maybe that wasn't a huge reach at the time, but it was a reach for me, I thought. And I, I also thought this was a bad place for him to develop. Um, but I think Johnny Davis is actually a really good pick at 10. Uh, it's just you have to be patient. And, and it's like I said, it's a team that's not really built for him right now. Uh, I, I like his potential fit next to Monty Morris for what, for what that's worth. Um, but 
obviously finding the minutes where Davis and Monty Morris are going to be playing together is kind of a question. Um, it's tough because Bradley Beal is very much not a point guard, but you want him to have that point guard usage. So then you feel like, okay, well, around him, we have to get a point guard who can actually be a point guard, but not have that type of usage. Exactly. And I think they drafted Davis thinking maybe he could be that. And he's not, that's yeah, not what he is. I he's, I think he's like a pure two mm-hmm. who can honestly play some minutes at the three because he's that big. Like, even though he's only six, four, he's just a big guy. He's big and strong. I think you could, I think you could play him next to Beal and Morris at, at times, you know, if Kuzma's at the four or whatever, however you want to uh, configure that. Like, I think you could do that or play him and Kispert next to each other and get a really knockdown shooter out there. So, Davis can attack a tilted floor with some space. I think there's some stuff you can do with him. You just, it's it's going to take some time. And I don't know if this is the best place for him. Uh, you know, I, I bet you if, if he had fallen to 11 and the Thunder draft him and in preseason, it's, you know, he's basically playing the role Jalen Williams has been playing. We're like, oh, Johnny Davis is like, oh, he looks like a star. He's a perfect fit next to Shea and all this and, but he's not. He, instead, he's here in this in this really weird team, uh, and he's a guy who needs specific stuff around him. Um, we'll see how it works. I still really believe in him. I think he's the type of guy who's just going to find a way to be valuable because he does so many things well. Uh, but it's going to take time, and I think writing him off this early is uh, a fool's errand. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. And I said on this podcast, I think that in their mind, the best case scenario version for his career is like Marcus Smart, that they can turn him into a point guard. He'll be this elite on ball, like point of attack guy, and he can do these kind of multiple things for them. But I, I don't know that he can ever get to that. Like, I think that's just like where Tommy Shepard sees this. They found this offensively minded college player that had low, you know, efficiency somehow, but they can turn him into this like, you know, elite, elite defensive slash point guard prospect. I I don't think he can get to that. I just think that that's where they think he can get to. Um, But if he's just like a good guard slash wing defender who can hit open shots and make smart plays, like that's a valuable player. I mean, he's probably, not a starter at least any time in, in the near future on a good team. But uh, if he can get to that in year three or four, like that'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, I think that's more than possible. I just, uh, we'll have to see how it goes. Like I yeah. said, it's, it's hard to really project that far forward, but what I will say is I don't think the opportunity cost was super high. Like I, I prefer Duran to uh, Davis, I think a little bit, but for this team, I, I get that that's kind of weird and centers the one position where I'm like, okay, if you kind of have a guy there, don't, you know, don't push it. Uh, so I, I, I didn't think that was horrible. I think missing on Jalen Williams might be rough, but I think Dude. I, you know, I don't think Jalen Williams is necessarily like an all-star, I just think he's a really good wing and that has a ton of value, especially for this team that, that hasn't really had them historically. But um, I, I don't, this draft was not great. I think there was, that was sort of a big talk was that, you know, past maybe the top two uh, there was a lot of, it was it's kind of a lot of Chuck and darts at a dartboard. And um, I think Davis will hit eventually. Uh, it just might be, it might be different than you expect from someone who had a 30 usage in college on a pretty all right college team. Uh, you know, I think I think we're going to see Wisconsin potentially be really bad this year, and then we're going to realize how important Johnny Davis was because they had nothing outside of him. But uh, yeah, it's it's just tough because, like like I said, I really liked Johnny Davis, and uh, when you're a draft guy, you kind of get this early bit of like, um, you know, a lot of people want to take victory laps, and mm-hmm. then they also want to, you know, uh, that that also means if you were wrong on someone, maybe you get a little bit of that. Uh, I don't want to say anxiety, but like. Uh, uh, I'm imposter syndrome is the term I'm looking for. It's like, oh, did I mess up? So it's like, do I have a vested interest in Johnny Davis being good? Yeah, kind of, because I think I had him like eight on my board or something like that. But, you know, I'm trying to think like there were reasons for that. There was reasons he was a really good prospect. who was a good pick at 10. It's just, you know, it, it's not always going to be immediate with these guys. So I think uh, just kind of him showing good things, like you mentioned, picks up almost full court, looks comfortable back cutting. Well, Hey, maybe if you actually put him in a spot where he's comfortable doing things, like it looks good. And just don't ask him to do too much as a rookie, because that's not 
what he's ever done. He's always kind of been a wing. If I remember right in high school, he like played a lot out of the post. Yeah. I he heard like, that too, that he was like a four basically. Yeah. He, you know, he kind of was like almost like what Zaire Smith did in high school, mm-hmm. not that type of athlete, but like in terms of just the, the transition of role from post centric to, okay, now you're like a wing and then to then extrapolate to the NBA. Now you're a guard. That's probably just that step too far. He succeeded in going from post to wing. It took him two years, but he did it. Let's not, you know, push too much early on him. Let him kind of find his role and and excel in that way. I think that's sort of recalibrating expectations, right? You see a guy that puts up 20 a game in college and is like a a conference player of the year. And you think like he's ready to come in and just like cook people. And and that's, that's sort of not where we're at. I, I had him 14th overall on my board, like behind um, Jalen Williams and Usman Jang and Marjan Bochamp and, and people like that, but not like considerably far behind. And I, I definitely don't think it was a bad pick. I think like, to your point, it's maybe not the best fit or intended usage um, of him. So the Wizards have been like really bad, I think, with a lot of these guys about identifying the right role. They made Troy Brown a three and D wing. Well, he couldn't three or D. They made Denny a three and D wing. He couldn't three and it took him a while to D. Like it's just, why not just pick a three and D wing if if that's what you want instead of shoehorning these guys into things that sort of don't make sense for them. But again, he'll he'll be fine. I think we just need to give it like a little bit more time and, and see how this goes. And you know what? If if not here, he'll probably end up good in his next stop because that's really how it works for people that the Wizards draft most of the time. Uh, all right, I, I want to transition here a little bit. The Wizards have uh, an open two-way spot. Right now, they have Jordan Shackle signed to one of the two ways. And realistically, I think the other spot is a, is probably a competition between Jordan Goodwin, who I'm really big on personally, and uh, Quentin Jackson. Honestly, I think will give himself consideration. I think if I'm the Wizards, I try really hard to just sign Jackson to a G League contract and then promise him that he'll be in consideration for some sort of call up at some point if needed. And and you buy yourself a year like they did with Goodwin. I think that's kind of best case scenario. You give Goodwin the two way. But for me, like, you know, of, of those guys, like, honestly, I'd rather see Goodwin on the actual Wizards roster. I've not been the biggest Vernon Carey Jr. guy. I can't see a pathway to a lot of minutes for him, although he has looked lighter and more spry, but it's just, he, he's not like super sized and he's not super quick or athletic and he can't shoot it. So, like, not really sure what Carey Jr. brings to you. So, to me, I would just give Goodwin a roster spot and let Jackson and Shackle, um, you know, have the two ways. And then and then you see how the rest of the year goes. But I guess having not seen a lot of Wizards or probably watched a lot of Capital City Go-Go last year, where are you at with maybe who who they give the nod to with those two spots? So I really liked um, Goodwin in college. I thought that he was someone who was undervalued because he went to a smaller school and didn't necessarily play in a way that is odd. Like, you, like when you watch him play, you weren't like, Oh, that's so clearly an NBA guy or anything. Like it's, it, it's, it took a little bit, but mm-hmm. I, I, I thought he was one of the best passers in college basketball uh, during his time there. Um, really strong six, three, yeah. like, like he would definitely post up Quentin Jackson uh, for what that's worth. Absolutely. Um, I, I really, and I, and I think the handle was like a little underrated, like, yeah, because he did, solid. he did a lot of like um, kind of pass out of the post stuff mm-hmm. and, and uh, you know, like quick passes off cuts, but like I, he can really handle the ball, not a great athlete, but uh, you know, the strength helps makes up, makes up for some of that. I think it's like a third guard. He could potentially really, really succeed and bring an interesting change of pace. I think a lot of third guards are very samey. They tend to be undersized guys who can run some solid pick and roll, but aren't doing anything special. I think he'd be a better passer than a lot of third guards. And I think you could do some interesting things with him. You know, the, the jumper wasn't necessarily great. I, I listened to your um, your podcast with him, and it seemed like he had really improved that. So that was you know good to hear. I, I just think I also think there's value to reward someone who spent a year in your program, has developed, yeah. um, and and looks closer to how you want them to look. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of always what I thought the path for Goodwin would be. He reminded me a lot of someone who you know maybe goes overseas for a couple of years and then comes back and is like. Oh, okay. This guy's worth a real, you know, yep. Mike James, but instead of a, 
you know, instead of a Hooper is more of a basketball player type thing. Brad, uh, Brad Wanamaker or somebody. Like yeah. That. Yeah. No, that's a great. And, and even Wanamaker, like, you know, you think like, oh, he wasn't great, but he had to start a couple of games. He was a good third guard. Like that has its value, especially for a team like the Wizards who just desperately need players who can pass. Um, so I really like Jordan Goodwin. Uh, just on Goodwin real quick. You mentioned not a great athlete. And it's so funny because like watching him with the guys they've had kind of on the periphery of this roster, I think of him as a really good athlete because I'm comparing him to people like Neto. And it's just like, by comparison, it's like, I've seen Goodwin dunk the ball. I'm not sure I yeah. ever saw Neto dunk the ball. Like he's not Quentin Jackson, but those aren't the kinds of guys that they've traditionally brought in. So to me, it's like, oh, Goodwin is probably the most athletic third guard we've had here in like a decade. But it's just, it's there's kind of levels to that, I think. Yeah, like it wasn't necessarily first step, but I did like how he would use his strength to continue advantages. Like lots of times, like, like you know, even guys who are fairly strong, like if you if they get cut off, they'll just stop and, and they'll turn and look, but he would still like, you know, he'd get half a step and then they'd kind of ride him and he would just keep putting his shoulder down, keep pushing. He got a lot of paint touches uh, in college. And I thought that was something that could translate at least a little bit. Um, he's probably not a guy who's going to get like all the way to the rim, but I think he could pretty, pretty consistently get into floater range. He has good touch on, on floaters if I remember correctly. So uh, just, I, 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 he's someone who I really like. Uh, I, 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 and I think the Wizards specifically could just use. I just I, I'm a sucker for passing, so I write for Kook Center, and they always make, almost make fun of me because it's like you evaluate things almost solely through how guys pass. And I'm like, it, I, to me, shows, that's shows like IQ. You know, yeah, it shows it shows feel, and also I think so much is made easier when you like like you can have bad spacing if mm -hmm. everyone can pass, yeah. or you know, I it, yeah. it's like to me, it's it's sort of that version of. Like, oh, we think five out spacing is how you actually make things work. Well, I think passing is sort of on the other end of the spectrum of things can work more if you have more passing. I think that's why I like the Monte Morris and Will Barton for that extent. It's also like a really good passer for his position. Yeah, I, that's been a, like a surprising element in his game for me because I, I remember like college Will Barton and there wasn't like a whole lot of passing being done like he could, but that wasn't what they asked him to do. Now it's like he's already created a lot of really good looks for people. So I, I've been you know pleasantly surprised by that yeah i think that's part of why i'm higher on this wizards team than maybe some is not that i think they're like really really good but it's just like like when you take a roster like last year's team that they made the play in right and it's like okay you know they had no passing anywhere they were so desperate for that and then you just like add two guys who can actually make some plays and move the ball like that does so much for your even if they're not superstars they're not incredible or anything uh but anyways um as for shackle i like shackle at san diego state he could he could shoot a little bit he was a really good defender at san diego state i don't i Has it, hasn't been great so far in the yeah, nba I, I didn't think it would translate because he's just not that athletic right um he's pretty slow out he guarded a lot in the post um he's, he and, looks he, he looks strong even now and i think guarding bigger guys in the g league he's, he's been actually better at that yeah he kind of seems like like an undersized four, you know, right. like uh, for what that's worth. I just, there's just like, I honestly think I'd probably rather give the two way spots to, to Jackson and Goodwin. I think those are the guys with the most upside to actually uh, like, like do interesting things for this team. But, but shackles maybe the safest, like if guys get hurt and we need someone to just do something, that he can step up. Now. He's six, five ish, maybe six, six yeah, on six, a good six day. Is probably fair with, with the right pair of shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Strong, just pretty slow makes all right rotations, but again, too slow to really make plays. Yeah. He's kind of like a poor man's Corey Kispert. Like a Corey Kispert was less athletic and not quite that good of a shooter. So like that guy can play a role in a pinch. Uh, it's, you know, but it, he's not someone who I think is like, I, I don't think he's, like he has any chance to be a top 10 rotation guy. And I think if Goodwin or Jackson hit, they could be. So for me, that's what I want to use my two way on. Yeah. But I also get the logic of listen, guys get hurt. They get sick, whatever. We just need someone who can be the 14th guy. If, if three guys go down, he can play a wing role and we won't like his minutes won't be complete disgusting negatives. So I get the logic with that. I think Shackle is perfectly fine at that. But I, I don't think there's a ton of upside there. Like I think there might be with Jackson a good one.
Yeah, I'm with you. I think Shackle is probably mostly maxed out. Now, the shooting took a little while to get going last year, but he was actually a better college shooter than Corey Kispert was, in my opinion. So, like, and the percentages, at, at least uh, raw percentages, kind of bear that out. But he he's not going to do much else for you. Like, Kispert puts it on the floor a little bit better, and, you know, he attacks closeouts a little bit better. But, you know, if, if Shackle came in and, and played 10 minutes, like you said, I don't think he's going to be the one to kill you. Um, the, the last one I want to ask you about here real quick, Bryce, and then I promise I'll, I'll let you get back to your day. Uh, maker, maker, any thoughts on him? Like I, the only thing I thought from open practice last night was, holy shit, he's the exact same size as Chris Porzingis. like at least same height. He's a little skinnier, obviously, but he looked reasonably fluid running up and down the floor. I, I don't know if you have any thoughts on him for anybody not familiar. He played like five games at Howard before as like a, you know, a high, high, high end recruit and then got hurt and left and played last year in the NBL in Australia and by all accounts really didn't do a whole lot, but I don't know. I'm curious what, what you think about him. Uh, if he's really that tall, that's something. Um... He, he may be best case or like worst case scenarios was an inch shorter than Porzingis, but he's close to that height. So he's grown a lot then. Cause he was like, I thought he was like, like six ten on a good day as a prospect. So um, good for him with that. Uh, you know, he's so funny. He had offers from Kentucky mm-hmm. uh, and he went to Howard and didn't play much at Howard. Um, I thought he was always kind of a rank. All the, all the makers have kind of seemed like, yeah. like they just seemed kind of fake. I mean, they, uh, they can kind of dribble and it looks cool when you're that big, but they don't actually do much functionally. Um, I think the, the positives I'll get from, for makers, if he is that tall, there's something there um he's he was always long and he's a pretty solid athlete like laterally um not a good leaper particularly um really slow load uh but could move all right laterally uh he just the issue is just like like he used to dribble a lot and he was not very good at it he used to try and take jumpers that he couldn't hit uh you know maybe now that he's in the nba he's cutting that down you know, maybe you give him two years with the go-go's like he might, it might be something, uh, you know, there's a chance he's better than Isaiah Todd for whatever that's worth. Oh, uh, cut me deep as the lone person who likes Isaiah Todd. You know, Coop liked Isaiah Todd too. So, uh, he, but yeah, it makes me I, feel a little better. Um, but no, I, I, I don't think there's a ton there if I'm being honest, but it, there's worse bets in the world to make than, uh, you know, seven two guy who could who could maybe shoot. Uh, it was gone through a major growth spurt at the age of twenty or whatever. So, I mean, good good for good for Maker. It's going to help him keep his career longer, probably. Unless he had like the biggest shoes and crazy insoles in, he he was bigger than I expected, which was cool. And and like I said, he got up and down the floor like reasonably well for somebody who looked like their legs were about six feet long. So, uh, yeah, to your point, if, if he's the backup center on the go-go this year, I, I'd be very okay with just kind of seeing if he can give them anything. Uh, Bryce, thank you. This has been great. I just wanted to kind of like take a minute, calm down, everybody breathe, and just talk about like where we should be with them, like realistic to expectations. I would love for Quentin Jackson to like really pop and us to be like, holy shit, we found something here. I just think like maybe let's give it more than the eight minutes and and we'll go from there. Uh, any parting shots, parting thoughts that you want to leave Wizards fans with on on any of these young guys, and, and then we'll call it a day. Um, just I I hope either you guys are actually good and are like a top six seed, or you get really lucky and get scoop because or scooter scooter Amen would both be like like the dream point guard for this team going yeah. forward. So uh, I like to think about that. You know, if if I was a Wizards fan, I'd like to close my eyes and imagine a world where. We could get a hold of 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 Scoot Anderson or, or even Anthony Black is really good. He'd be I'm, awesome here. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, this has been great. I uh, I I think I really so I really enjoy talking about these fringe roster guys. And uh, you know, lots of times when I, I you know I do all this work and then I put out a big board and I never talk about these guys again for a lot of them. Like it's it's you know usually past seventy. Like there's not a ton of guys who I get to talk about going forward. So this was really fun and. I just I I'm actually excited to watch Wizards basketball this year, uh, tentatively. Um, one of us, but yeah, okay. So uh, yeah, well, I have no I have no vested interest emotionally. So like they can be really bad and it doesn't bother me at all. But yeah, no, I I uh, 
this is fun and and i always have a blast coming actually can i put you on the spot for one more thing here just for a guy that you, you probably haven't gotten to talk about as much as maybe you would like i've been doing like a prospect profile every week i've covered a lot of the g league ignite guys already but i have not covered a former washington state cougar at all uh can you talk about your boy here just just real quickly for people yeah, so uh, as he has now said, it's pronounced F.A. Abugadi yep. is uh, really, really fun. Um, I thought he was the second best rim protector on the West Coast last year, or I should, I should say third, because it was Christian Coloco and then Chet were the two best. Mm-hmm. I thought he was the third. I thought like uh, you can go back. I've posted a ton uh, of clips where he's just like like he gets some blocks that people just don't get to. They're emphatic, uh, you know, made rotations really like they're playing a lot in sort of the hedge and recover with the GLI, which I like, I'd like to see him in drop some too, because I think he could do that. But uh, you know, he's kind of dealt with some injury issues in the past. I thought he was draftable both after his freshman and his sophomore year. I, mm-hmm. I had, I would have had him top 20 last year, honestly. Like I think a uh, big who can move like him, get up like him, potentially shoot a little bit. Uh, so I really, really like F.A. or Sorry, that's not how he's a boogity. I really like a boogity, uh, you know, beyond him just being a former coup, because I just think uh, there's so much to like with his skill set. I think he's probably the third best prospect on that GLI team. Uh, you know, Mojave might have something to say about that. But uh, and, and some people are even going to have uh, have him above Leonard Miller, I think, because Miller's so uh he like he's miller's probably going to be actively bad this year and there are some people who don't want to see past that so which is i i mean i get to an extent um where i think i think a might actually be like the second best player on that team it's too bad that mika's see it seems like mika's going to start a ton because i think a scoot uh a boogity pick and roll combo is really really untouchable yeah. uh especially if you get some space around that so yeah i, I like him a lot i think uh I, I, I wonder if a team is going to draft him to try and develop him into being like a four yep. or if, if they view him as like a straight five, because I view him as like a straight five, but we've kind of gone back to this jumbo ball mm-hmm. where we're playing two bigs because just cutting off the rim is so valuable. Uh, and he could definitely do that. Like he did that here at WSU, him and Muhammad Gay were um, kind of the twin towers down here. And just, we were one of the best teams at uh, protecting the paint in college basketball. So uh, I think I think there's a lot of value to him at, at both positions. I think he can probably shoot, even if it's going to take some time. Definitely can roll. Excellent two-foot leaper. And quick, too. Like, very little load time. Uh, gets off the ground in no time. So, just a guy I really like who I, who I think um, would be really fun on a lot of different teams. I was, like, really impressed, to be honest with you, in just those two Metropolitans games. And I didn't really expect to be. Especially the first one, I was just like, wow, this guy... This guy really moves, and and I, I was surprised. And I know he's your boy, so I, I wanted to at least get a couple minutes of him on the pod here. So thank you for doing that. Yeah, absolutely. That one play where he, um, where like like him and another big were kind of pushing back. Scoot started to push the pace, and he just out sprinted the other big to the block. Like that's the type of thing that he did all the time here. And and you know any coach sees that and their eyes light up because it's like such it's an easy two points. I think he got the bucket and the foul, mm-hmm. and it's just it's just because he just ran harder to the spot than the other guy. So I think little things like that, he's someone who really, you know, like he works hard. He, he missed uh, his, like, like he was an international player. So it's not quite the same, but basically his junior and senior year of high school with, with pretty catastrophic knee injuries came back, started day one as a freshman at WSU. And like I said, if, if, if it wasn't for the fact that he was in Pullman, like if he would have been even at like, I don't know, like uh, any SEC school, even the shitty ones like Missouri, like he would have been drafted, I think, after that freshman year. But because he's at WSU, it took a while for him to catch on. And I think by the time he caught on, it was too late. And now that he's with the GLI, I honestly think he's going to be a first-round pick. So uh, I, I'm very, very high on him. And I, I was very happy to see people tweeting positively about him because last year it was me in my own little echo chamber <laughs> shouting at the draft Twitter Hold world. down the like, forward, baby. Yeah, like, he's really good. Watch WSU games, please. Uh, so, yeah. That's also uh, your shameless Washington State plug. Everybody give them a look this year. They're very well coached, and I think that they'll make for another fun team. They have. So I have a piece coming out uh, probably in like two weeks uh, that's going to be about like the, the potential NBA players on this team. Mm-hmm. I think there's like four guys who are at least worth a oh. look uh, <laughs> on that team. I won't go into it here, but I think there's like I, I, I they uh, have done a truly impeccable job. Like even like Tony Bennett, 
was obviously a great coach here. He wasn't bringing in the consistent NBA talent that I think Kyle Smith is. Sure. Uh, and I, I think once a couple of those guys get drafted, even a boogity, even though it's not directly from WSU, okay. once he gets drafted, it's going to start like yeah. the program's going to start getting looks like that. And I just hope, uh, you know, Kyle Smith doesn't run off too soon because that tends to happen up here. Yeah, he, he's been great. I've been like really impressed. He might be one of the most like underrated coaches in college basketball so far. Uh, Bryce, where can people find your work if they're not already doing that? Yeah, uh, I, I would say the best place is just follow me on Twitter at Bryce Hendrick 14. Uh, I have a Patreon. I, I write for Kook Center if you want college basketball stuff. Uh, and then I have a podcast, the Upside Swings and Media Draft podcast, where we talk about all things draft. Where it's sort of a dead time right now. There's like not much basketball going on, but we have some fun stuff in the works. So, uh, yeah, that's th- that's the best place to find me. It's just on Twitter. Awesome, thank you, sir. Everybody, this has been Believe in Wizards. Rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff, and uh, we'll we'll kind of see where the you know the dust settles with these last couple two way spots. Uh, until next time, check us out, and and remember, we were presented by BetOnline.ag. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.